Hey everybody, this is Jeannie Faulkner and you are listening to Pregnancy, Parenting and Politics, the podcast where we talk about all of that and then some. I'm your host and the author of the book Common Sense Pregnancy. You can find that wherever you get your books. That's probably online right now. Um, but if when the day comes that we get to go back to bookstores, it's there too. I also wrote Mom's Side of the Story, which is part journal, part workbook. Uh, it helps you write yourself, your history, your perspective, your prenatal and birth experiences. Um, because after all, the baby's important, but you are the main character in your pregnancy story. You can pick that up over on my website. Uh, it is Juneteenth weekend, which we celebrate on June 19th as a way to honor the end of slavery in the United States. Uh, this holiday has a really rich and fascinating history. The Civil War uh, ended, had ended, and the Emancipation Proclamation had legally freed the slaves more than two years prior, but word only reached Texas around this date in 1865. Um, they were the last slaves in the Confederacy to be freed. And that's what this holiday is about, a way to honor and commemorate uh, that event. So this year, more attention and respect is being paid to this holiday than ever before in my history, for sure, because I believe of the impact of Black Lives Matter um, and, you know, what's happening in our country around that. A lot, a lot of protests and civil discourse. And finally, white Americans are paying attention to what black Americans and people of color have known forever. America was designed around racial injustice and our systems, government and society are still racist. Now, we've made some very small change in recent decades to expand civil rights, but signs of racism are very obvious in society right now. And my hope is that all the protests and civil discourse and media attention will make a huge and permanent difference. Now, I've said it, I've said it before, but once again, what a fascinating time to be alive and living American history. And once again... I sure do hope y'all are registered and voting. Uh, what else? New study came out this week about how climate change and pollution affect pregnancy. Um, researchers looked at 32 million U.S. births and determined that women who are exposed to high temperatures or air pollution are more likely to have premature, underweight, or stillborn babies. And African-American mothers and babies are harmed at a much higher rate than the population at large. Okay. What's really interesting to me about this study is that it made it into headlines on all kinds of news media, including the New York Times. I think that's in part because, well, partly because it's a real big study, 32 million. Um, but also because right now there's a big focus on Black Lives Matter and Black maternal health. Finally, we're getting some people to see this problem. And the other thing, though, that um, about this study that's interesting to me is that articles, this study and articles seems to be evaluating what happens to the baby, not so much on the woman's experience. 
And that's not surprising. This happens a lot, a lot, a lot of the time, maybe most of the time. Pregnancy is researched in terms of its outcome, what happens to the baby, not in terms of its producer, the woman. Science has not historically been all that interested in what happens to women themselves, other than as, you know, the baby maker. It's frustrating. I'd like to know what heat and pollution are doing to the women and what conditions are causing them to live in hot, polluted communities and how we can solve that problem. I, you know, truly believe if we take care of mothers, babies are usually just fine. If we look at the problem in terms of babies and how it affects babies, women get left out of the solution. Um, so that's my in the news food for thought. Um, let's see. What else? This week, a lot of people are taking baby steps out into the world again as states start allowing businesses to reopen. Um, you know, a lot of us are feeling like, whoo, liberation. Some states are throwing the doors wide open and holding large events and tossing out the masks and COVID precautions and kind of letting the chips fall where they may. Um, they're kind of insinuating that, you know, COVID-19 is no big deal now, so you get to do what you want. Unfortunately, that's also leading to way more cases of COVID cropping up in these states and deaths, and it's continuing to let the virus spread and expand its impact. Now, some states are showing a lot more caution and following guidelines that are, you know, set by science rather than opinion. Here in Oregon, our governor, Kate Brown, is taking a very cautious approach. Um, masks have to be worn in public. Some businesses can open and operate. Some need stricter precautions, and some have to stay closed for a little while longer. And frankly, I'm grateful for her caution because I know that the virus is still alive and well among us, and people are still getting sick at alarming rates. Now, Oregon's been luckier than many states because we've had such strict guidelines, but we're seeing spikes and spread all over the country, and none of us are out of the woods, not even close. All of us still need to use a whole lot of common sense. Wear the masks. Wash your hands. Avoid large groups. Stay home when you can. And, you know, do this for yourself and for the other guy. Studies show that if we all wore masks whenever we were out and about, we'd reduce new cases by 80%. Just wear the mask, will ya? Okay, enough said for one week. Let's take a real, real quick break and then get back to talk about returning to work after maternity leave or COVID leave. All right, we're back and we are ready to get uh, this week's guest on the line. Now, for many women, one of the hardest things in the whole wide world is returning to work after having a baby. I think right now, a lot of women are starting to think about the you know, eventual end of their leave, whether that's maternity leave or COVID leave, and wondering how the hell they're going to do it. So that's what I'm going to talk with this week's guest about. Um, Lori Mahalich-Levin is a healthcare partner at a global law firm based in Washington, D.C. She is the creator of Mindful Return, an employee benefit offered by 64 employers, including Discovery Communications, 
Sun Life Financial, and Herman Miller. It helps new parent employees navigate the return after parental leave. She's also the Chief Operating Officer of Women's Leadership Forum and the author of Back to Work After Baby, How to Plan and Navigate a Mindful Return After Maternity Leave. Let's get Lori on the line. Hi, Lori. It's Jeannie. Hi, Jeannie. It's great to to speak with you. You too. I've been looking forward to this chat. Me too. So you're in D.C., Washington, D.C.? That's correct. I'm in Washington, D.C. and haven't left it for about 11 weeks now. (laughs) Yeah, right. Do you usually travel quite a bit? I do usually travel. Um, I wear two hats professionally. I'm a healthcare partner at a global law firm called Denton's on a 50% schedule. And for that job, I do tend to travel or used to anyway, um, probably once every month or two to go visit a hospital client of mine and um, haven't done that lately. Um, And then in the other half of my professional world, um, I run a program called Mindful Return that helps new parents transition back to work after parental leave. And I'm sometimes on the road for that as well, going, for example, to speak to a parent group at a company or going to a conference or whatever. So um, I've recently been dreaming of getting on an airplane and even just staying in a small city somewhere in a random (laughs) hotel away from everyone. (laughs) Staying in a hotel by myself is one of my true pleasures in life. Yes. I get to travel to DC quite a lot. Nice. And yeah, and I haven't actually in a year. Mm. Um, but usually, you know, at least a couple times a year I get to DC. And, and what brings I, you to DC, Jeannie? Uh advocacy work for Excellent. An organization uh care.org for an Wonderful. Yeah. Well, the next time you make it here, we will have to meet in person. Yeah, yeah. We'll go to Poets and Busboys. I love Isn't it. Isn't that Busboys and Poets. Yep, you got it. I was so close. So close. Yes, I know exactly (laughs) where you're talking about, though. (laughs) Yeah. Well, um, the first hard question I usually ask people is this one. Who are you and what do you do? Well, if I can't answer that, no one can, right? (laughs) Who am I? I well, you've got am, a really good bio that answers quite a lot of it, but then we get all esoteric here. So. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I am a mom to two wonderful redheaded boys who are ages seven and nine and have been, you know, homeschooling first and third grade for the past couple of months. Um, I am wife to a wonderful career coach named Jason Levin, who runs a career coaching company called Ready, Set, Launch. And um, I, as I said, in my professional life, uh, am both a Medicare regulatory lawyer and an advocate for working parents. And I never really expected as a risk-averse lawyer to branch off and start my own company just about six years ago now. But um, I was so motivated to take action to do something to help the state of working parents and the country and in the world that I, I found myself compelled to start a passion project that turned into a business. So I want to know all about Mindful Return because I'm fascinated with this topic, um, especially as, you know, I had four babies, so oh. I had to go back to work <laughs> yes. four times. Four times. <laughs> but speaking of those four babies, I wanted a redhead so oh. bad. <laughs> 
Well, my husband and I used to be redheads, uh, both of us in earlier days of our lives. So we were pretty sure we joked that that's why we got married, because the redheaded population in the world is actually <laughs> declining. And so we were um, adamant that we continue on. And so we call ourselves Team Red and we are a family of four redheads. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, so. I wanted real bad to have a redhead. <laughs> Aww. <laughs> she wants two brunettes and then decided that all I could do then was to dye my hair. So yeah, what are you going to do? We would always be happy to adopt you into the redheaded family. Well, I'm not legit, though. I'm mm. just not legit. Right. It's always, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Bottle red. <laughs> there you go. Tell me all about Mindful Return. I mean, I think that teaching people to navigate their return after parental leave is such a <coughs> multi-tangential subject. You know, there's the emotional component. There's the practical component. There's the financial component. There's the child care component. There's the how do you cry in the bathroom when your kid is homesick component? <laughs> so how do, what's your target? How do you do this? Yeah. So I love how you said it's, you know, multidimensional. It's like this 3D issue. It's not just how do you pump and leave your kid at daycare, right? Um, for me, I, I went back to work full time after my first child and found it to be challenging. And then I had a second baby two years later. And that's when I really went off the rails myself and went back to work and found that like nobody was sleeping. Um, you know, the one was potty training, the other one was up all night because he was an infant. I was not sleeping. I was a mess. And I was looking for resources about how to make that transition back to work and how to navigate the change in professional identity that comes from being just plain old worker to working mom. And I found that I could take a course on everything baby related from pureeing baby food to pumping and all that, but I couldn't take any sort of class that would help me to like go through that transition to working parenthood and go back to the office in a calmer state that made me feel more empowered than terrified. Um, and so that's sort of what I set out to create. So I, I wound up developing a four-week online cohort-based, so group-based program. Um, and we run a new group every other month, uh, one for new moms, one for new dads, and one for parents of special needs children. And um, it's really a supportive community to help you make that transition back to work after leave. And we run the the course in four themes. So happy to you know elaborate on any of these four, but the key concepts that I wished I had focused on when I went back, and I think I probably wouldn't have um, been such a wreck myself had I focused on these four things, are um, a mindful mindset for going back to work. So really focusing on all the, the micro tiny things you can do to get your head in a better place when you go back. The logistical aspects. So the second week is all about logistics. That's the pumping and the negotiating flexibility and the I used to call the lesson sick days, snow days and the unexpected. But, you know, there's like every day of our lives right now is the unexpected um, yeah. and putting food on your own table and all those logistical things. The third component is all about leadership and thinking of your return to work and your transition to working parenthood as a training ground for amazing leadership skills, which can help reframe your thinking as to, you know, oh, I'm not valuable anymore. No, you're actually gaining skills that are going to be useful in your job. And then the fourth week and the fourth theme is really all about staying in community and making sure you're not doing this all alone and crying on the kitchen floor like I did all the time when I was um, postpartum after my second baby. So we focus on those 
uh, four themes and, you know, run a group every other month. I think that community aspect, the, oh my gosh, everybody else is having these wacky thoughts and feelings too, is really helpful. Um, and we currently have 65 employers that offer the program as a parental leave benefit. So it might very well be that your employer um, provides it to you as a way to, you know, help you transition and smooth the process. And it's a great way to say to your employee, hey, I believe in you and I want you to come back. So prior to COVID-19, were these virtual groups then or were mm-hmm. they? Okay. It's, so it's-, it's been virtual for fi- the five and a half years that I've been running the groups. Okay. Uh, we. Yeah, we use um, a core software platform called Rizuku, and all of the lessons are written lessons, like um, basically the length of a blog post on average. And then there's a discussion prompt and a discussion board for each lesson. And so everybody in the cohort is communicating on these discussion boards in a private portal. Um, So you don't have to be anywhere at any given time of day or night, which was really important to me as a new parent who couldn't get you know, my schedule figured out at all in my own household. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. And is, so there's some things that I'm curious about, um, like dividing up the work between partners. Is Mm. that in, is that in the, which theme is that? That's in community, really relying on your village. It's Mm -hmm. in part in community and in part in the logistics week of um, just sort of how you negotiate with your employer, with your significant other, um, I wrote a piece uh, on the Mindful Return blog that I know I included in the course uh, somewhere about how to have those really critical conversations um, in a way that's empowering for both of you. Um, you know, really starting off with shared commitments and making very specific requests. Um, and, you know, now during COVID, especially, I think having really specific and clear boundaries around your work versus your significant other's working time is so important to making sure that people aren't totally fried all day long. And by people, you mean mostly women, because if you don't have these conversations and you don't intentionally have these negotiations with your partner, the person who is going to be the one who always takes the sick day when the kids got the flu, is going to be the mom. It does tend to be the, uh, the woman does tend to be the default parent. And we're seeing that appear all over the globe right now. And, you know, it's, I'm both hopeful that COVID has shown the light on a lot of things that are, you know, melded together now, parenting and work and kids are appearing in Zoom conferences. And I'm entirely disheartened by the fact that it's the women who are dropping out of the workforce to help care for children. It's the women who are doing all the homeschooling, et cetera. I happen to be in a really wonderful partnership where we are totally 50, 50 and my husband probably does more homeschooling than I do. Um, and that's not the norm. Yeah, no, it's not the norm at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, you think about it being in the young child years, you know, Mm -hmm. before kids can take care of themselves, you know, like somebody gets sick. Okay. You know, they're 14, just stay home and stay safe. You can go to work for a little while, but then they get to be teenagers and they misbehave in school. And who is it that the principal calls? Not Mm -hmm. dad at work, mom at work. Yep. Yeah. Okay. That's a tangent. We're going to get out of that rabbit hole. Well, I was just going to say that I'm such a huge advocate for um, dads taking paternity leave because all the data and research shows that the more active a father is from the very early stages, the more likely he's going to be active throughout and be much more engaged in all the things related to children. And so I think in terms of destigmatizing and de-gendering parental leave, one of the best things we can do for 
women around the world is to get the dads to take leave. And I'm going to take that one step further. When dads do take leave and they're mm-hmm. home changing the diaper, the mom has to step back. It yes. doesn't matter if he changes the diaper differently. Don't micromanage. Don't correct. His way is as good as your way because you guys are equals. Yeah, I'd say one of the things that I tell people was probably the best thing that I ever did for um, just, you know, helping my husband to grow in his own skills was to go on a business trip when my oldest son was six months old. And it was emotionally nerve wracking, you know, to be away from him for what all of, I don't know, 36 or 48 hours. And I was crying at the airport. I was so hormonal and pumping and all that. And when I came back, he had, my husband had figured out how to do all the stuff and had his own way for doing, of doing things. And, you know, I sort of recommend to all moms that they step away if possible um, and just let dad run the show for a while. Yeah. Cause their show, the way they run their show is just fine. Mm-hmm. Different than the way we different we and totally fine. Yes. Yeah. And then what the kid learns is that, oh yeah, there's more than one way to do things. Yep. They're both good ways. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, what else do we need to know about mindful return before we move on to some really tip worthy stuff? Mm, I think um, that the best time to say take the mindful return course is while you're actually out on maternity leave or out on paternity leave. And I find that people tend to have a little bit more bandwidth than if they take it like that moment that they're also returning to work. Yeah. Um, And it's also the time when the anxiety starts ramping up, like, oh my gosh, what am I actually going to do? How am I going to handle this transition back? Um, And, you know, I also run, well, two other things I guess I'd just say is that I co-host a podcast called Parents at Work that folks Mm -hmm. can check out. And I run a group for the leaders of working parent groups called the Working Parent Group Network. So if you run a working parent group or want to join one, um, that's something that um, Mindful Return helps to facilitate a conversation among people who run those groups as well. I love your career. I just love Thank it. Thank you. <laughs> love it. Yeah. Okay, so some of the stuff that we were going to talk about, this one is really good. Best time management strategies for chaotic times. Which could be <laughs> that would be now you know, and every other moment now, <laughs> now for COVID-19 or now for when you have, you know, a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old or now for when you have a one-year-old and a newborn, you know, yeah, yeah. anything having to do with kids is controlled chaos. Yes. I was joking that I long, I'm currently longing for the time when all I was, was just a plain old working mom, you know, <laughs> and <laughs> I didn't wear the other 17 hats that one wears now, but um, in terms of time management strategies. Okay. So I have two that are my favorites. They were my favorites before the crisis, but I dabbled in them more than practiced them daily. And now they've sort of become my essential go-tos. Um, one is using the Pomodoro method which you might have heard of. It's all named after the Italian tomato timer called the Pomodoro tomato. And you don't need the Pomodoro kitchen timer to do this. You just need a timekeeping device. And you set it for 25 minutes and you turn off everything that dings or buzzes or beeps at you like your Slack channel and your text messages and your emails and everything. And you devote the 25 minutes to one project, like that deep work thing that you know you need to get your head into. And then you do the 25 minutes. And during that time, if you think of other things, oh, maybe I should be responding to that email. Oh, maybe I should, whatever. You just jot those down and you go back to the task at hand. 
And then you take a five or 10 minute break and then you do another Pomodoro. Um, I have found that this is the one way that I'm able to sort of like get some, you know, deeper, undistracted work done during this crisis is really to block it off like that. And the other second time management tool that I've been using religiously is um, something that Daniel Pink calls his MIT, which is most important task. Very simple concept. You basically start your day doing the most important task for the day. And I sort of take this a step further by um, writing down on an index card the night before as I'm going to bed what my most important task is for the next day. I put that on top of my laptop. And then whenever I get to my laptop, whether that's first thing in the morning or in the afternoon, if I've been on kid duty all morning, um, that's what I turn to. That's what I use the Pomodoro for just to like knock that out. And so um, at the very least, I know that that one most important thing got done during a time when, you know, pretty much everything is swirling around. Yeah, that's a, that's really practical. I love that. Okay. Let's talk about mindfulness mm. for busy professionals during COVID-19 or again, for controlled chaos we call children. <laughs> yeah. So we're all acutely aware of how little margin we have in our day. And so nothing about the mindfulness type practices that I encourage people to use takes very much time. So a couple of the things that I do for myself personally that help me to ground and center and that I've done for a number of years include um, one is mindfully multitasking my shower. Um, and I'll explain a little bit. Whenever I had my second child and I was just a bit of a wreck, I had heard that if you set an intention for your day, that your day can go more smoothly. Of course, I was a crazed new mom who was, you know, barely keeping it all together. And I could never remember to set an intention. So like 4 or 5 p.m. would roll around and I'd be like, gosh, darn it, I was going to set an intention for my day and it's too late now. So I came up with an acronym for myself to use in the shower as I was getting ready in the morning. And the acronym is IS, um, a form of to be. And it's spelled I-S-S. -S, and the I stands for set an intention. And then the first S stands for stretch. And then the second S stands for savor. So while I'm in my shower, which is like, you know, maybe the five to 10 minute period where no one's attached to me, I'm not answering any questions. <laughs> um, I'm sort of alone in my house. Um, I set an intention for my day, whether that's the mantra, I am enough, or whether that's, gosh darn it, get that one project done so you can stop worrying about it. Or if the intention is go to bed at 9 p.m. tonight because you're exhausted. And then I try really hard to stick with whatever that intention was. Um, and then stretch, I do a couple of uh, yoga poses in the shower and savor. I try to remember that, you know, I've got hot water and food and despite COVID, like everyone in my household is currently knock on wood healthy and our house isn't being bombed or anything. So, you know, really trying to soak in to um, the good things. Um, I am a huge, oh, sorry. It's yeah, gratitude. it's yeah. gratitude. And yeah. I do really love um, a book called The Five Minute Journal, which I use in the morning. Um, it's got prompts for the morning and the afternoon, which have, um, it, it literally only takes five minutes to answer these questions. And really developing a gratitude practice was probably what saved me most um, from my own anxiety and despair after my second kid was born. Um, I found that, you know, just writing down a couple of things before I go to bed at night that I'm grateful for 
can stop the swirling to-do list. It can help me fall asleep faster. It can help me record some of those memories of my kids and funny things that they say that I otherwise would never have thought to write down. Yeah. It reframes yeah. the day when you start it Completely. and end it with those mm-hmm. kinds of activities. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I've got family members that just, they get out of bed and they pull on their jeans and they're off to work. Mm-hmm. It's like, there's no transition there. There's no, yeah. there, yeah, it's, I don't know how it's done. Yeah. High functioning individuals who are, you know, crushing it in life, but I don't get that. <laughs> I, I need I transitions do, big time. Yeah. Yeah. I schedule in a long time in the morning, even if I have to get up before dawn so that I can have my time. Yeah. My rituals. Yeah. yeah. My practice. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. And uh, Insight Timer is my tool of choice, my app of choice, rather. Um, What's it called? I, Insight Timer? Insight Timer. Yeah, it's a yeah. free app and it's got wonderful guided meditations and it has um, a meditation timer on it as well. My kids have set it to the gong. So that, you know, you can hear the gong go off. Um, but I do yoga to um, some of the meditation music every morning for about 15 minutes. And what I like about Insight Timer in part is that it's got stats and it keeps like, it keeps me honest, right? So I can see if how many days I've done it and if I've, you know, continued to follow my streak, et cetera. I used to, um, on my commute to work back when I was, you know, riding a metro and going into an office, um, sit on a park bench or go into a hotel lobby if it was raining on my way to the to the office and turn on Insight Timer for five minutes and just sort of transition my brain from being at home to thinking about work and I loved being in a place where just no one knew where I was for five minutes too. <laughs> I love that too. Yeah. 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 That's a trick that I would do that. Um, I would find a church because mm. or, or a hotel lobby, either mm-hmm. one works just as well. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, you can be kind of anonymous among a crowd. Yeah. Nobody really looks at you all that funny. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, What's different about returning to work after maternity leave during COVID? Mm, everything is different about everything during COVID. <laughs> um, I guess. Everything is, I know. Yeah. I, I want to start off by saying that returning to work after parental leave is hard no matter when you do it. Um, and it's also yeah. not an event. It's it's a tra- It's It's um. It's like an entire transition period. It's not just, oh, one day you're home with your baby and the next day, boom, you turn the switch. You flip the switch on and suddenly you're working full time. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it took me a good year to feel settled and comfortable and like back, not back, but like feeling like I knew who I was personally, professionally settled into the rhythms, et cetera. And so to the extent you are returning during COVID or any other time, like know that this isn't meant to be a really like quick switch where everything's going to be fine tomorrow. Um, and it's okay. Like there are people who will support you through the transition, but it is a transition phase. Um, I think what's different for a lot of people is not returning to an office. Um, a lot of the um, moms and dads who I work with are, um, you know, working from home full time right now because their offices just aren't open. I know it's different for essential workers, um, but a lot of the people who are taking the Mindful Return course are home right now. Mm-hmm. And what's different, I think, um, there are good things that are different and bad things that are different. You know, on the on the bright side, 
you might not have to pump so much if you are breastfeeding because your baby's right there and you can feed them more often. Um, and you probably, you may not have to hand your child over to someone who you don't really know all that well. Um, of course, the flip side of that is there are so few childcare options right now. Um, right. But you're not, you're not saying goodbye in the same way. Yeah. Um, Those are two huge. They're big. They're really big. Overlines. Yeah. Huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that kind of eliminates even if, you know, in whatever the world becomes after this, you are working from home and maybe you can have somebody come in, whether it's a child care provider or your a, you know, friend or a parent, or we're going to come up with new systems mm-hmm. where people are taking care of our kids for us in our homes. And even if we're not present, you know, that that anxiety you have about is my child OK when I'm not here, it's eliminated because you're there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You might be down the hall, mm-hmm. but you know what's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that is a big bonus. Um, the struggles with that are that you're down the hall and you are probably feeling all the emotions. And when baby's crying, it might be hard to concentrate on what you're working on. If you can hear baby down the hall, um, noise canceling headphones are helpful. Um, I think setting really strict boundaries with whoever you are um, parenting with or, you know, raising your child with, it can be helpful. Um, You know, I've heard from new moms, for example, how, you know, they're ostensibly in their work period from, you know, let's say 1 to 4 p.m. and um, dad has the baby and dad gets bored and wanders in with the baby. (laughs) Like, that's not cool. You know, if it's work time, it, it needs to be work time. And I think it's back to the conversations that really need to happen between um, partners as to who's responsible for what and when. Um, I think that said, there's um, something to be said for the transition and goodbye rituals and using them even in your own house. So, I mean, I was just laughing as I came up here to record this podcast. It's like 730 at night here in the East Coast. My kids wanted to do hug, kiss, push with me, which is our routine for when I'm going to work and I'm leaving them. They give me a hug, a kiss, and then they push me away, which is sort of, you know, giving a little bit of power to them. They've done this for years, years, ever since they were in daycare. And, you know, I didn't really expect that to continue in the house. But when I go off to do something work related, they still do hug, kiss, push to me. And, you know, then I go off to work and they know that that's the time that they're supposed to be separated from me and do something else. And so... Um, I know with a baby, you're not going to have that elaborate a ritual, but even just for you saying, okay, like, bye, baby, I'm off to work now. And having some um, recognition that there's a space and a demarcation between your time with them and the work, I think can help um, just separate the space and time for what you need to get done that's not related to baby. I'm, I, I too, have a really great uh, partner. My husband is in the trenches with me and has been for all these kids and all these years. Mm-hmm. And um, our child care solution for at least 10 years was that I worked uh, 7 p.m. to 7.30 a.m. Oh. And I'd get home at 8 in the morning. I was a nurse, a social uh-huh. worker. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd have a short period of time with them um, in the house. And then I'd go sleep as fast mm-hmm. as I possibly could. And as a nurse, um, you work every other weekend. So it'd be sleep time for me on a Saturday afternoon, knowing I had to go back to the hospital at 7 PM. Mm. And, um, uh, my husband would be watching the kids and folding laundry in the hall outside the room. 
mm-hmm. and he was doing all of the things that he had to do. And then he would do something like, you know, play a game with the kid right outside the, the bedroom door or he'd whistle or something like that. I'm sleeping. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't always 100% pleasant about it. Mm-mm. I can totally understand. Sleep is really, really valuable. So valuable. Mm-hmm. So what else do you want listeners to know? It's not you. It's the pandemic, especially right now. I think we put a lot of um, just weight on ourselves and we're so judgmental and critical and hard on ourselves. I know I'll speak for myself. I am saying, oh, well, you know, I wouldn't have done it X way prior to COVID or I would have devoted more time or I'm failing here, I'm failing there, et cetera. And, you know, we're in a global pandemic right now. Um, And so to the extent you can reassure yourself that like, this isn't you, you're not failing in any regard. um, I think it's really, really helpful to bring in that self-compassion piece every single day. Yeah. And even if it wasn't COVID, that, that Mm -hmm. feeling that you have when you're going back to work and you've Mm -hmm. got, children at home that, you know, that it's not you, mama, it's the system. It's not you. There's Mm -hmm. nothing wrong with you. You're doing great. You're doing the best you can. And the best you can do is way good enough. So yeah. Yeah. And don't do, don't do it alone. Don't do any of this alone. I mean, I definitely made the mistake of, well, I had both of my babies in the winter and I didn't, you know, go out very much and I didn't join the parent groups and I didn't, um, connect with other new parents as much as I should have. And, um, you know, on your first day back at work, whether it's while you're in your office or, um, you know, in your home office, um, schedule a lunch, schedule a coffee date virtually or in person with someone who's been through it, someone, another working mom who will understand all the emotions that you're going through right then. Um, you know, make sure you're finding your tribe here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I want to make sure that people can find you online. Why don't, you, why don't we share your website? Sure. Yeah. So mindfulreturn.com is my website. Um, if you go on the main site and sign up for our newsletter, you'll be um, given our gift of 99 questions to ask yourself before, during, and after maternity leave. Um, I wrote a book called Back to Work After Baby that you can find on both Amazon and on Motherly's new shop. And let's see what else. I am on all the usual social media channels. Um, as Mindful Twitter, Return. As Mindful Return. Yes, Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. Um, and if you mentioned that you listened to this podcast, um, I'd be happy to link in with you as well. I don't accept all random LinkedIn requests, but if you're, if you mentioned that you, um, you know, heard about Mindful Return, I'd be happy to connect with you on LinkedIn as well. Great. Great. All right. Well, are you ready for my rapid fire roundup questions? Sure. Let's do it. Okay. What role do feminism and politics play in your life? Hmm. Feminism and politics inspire me to get up and hit the ground running with Mindful Return every day. Ooh, good answer. How do you fill in the blank? Nobody ever told me that. Hmm. Nobody ever told me 
Wow. Now I'm having a COVID like stumped moment here. Mm -hmm. um, hmm. And I'm really like, wow, the, the wheels are turning here. Yeah. That's um, okay. We can, we can move on. There's so can... many things that no one ever told me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No one ever told me that breastfeeding would be painful. Nobody ever told me that, you know, going back to work, nobody would talk about the fact that I was struggling with it, having a kid and, and uh, the return to work. Uh, nobody ever told me that it was okay to run a company and be a partner at a law firm at the same time. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. All of the really important things. Nobody was ever able to articulate that. Were they? Mm -hmm. mm. Okay. My last question for you is this, where do you stand in the world of motherhood? Mm. I stand for all parents, not just mothers being able to fully express all of their various identities at work, at home, in their relationships, and being able to show up as who they are whenever they're there. Excellent. Well, Lori, this has been a really fun conversation. I feel like mm. we could just chat all For me day. too. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Jeannie. No, I really yeah. love talking with you. And I, I'm serious. When you're in D.C., I would love to meet you in person. Yeah, me too. That'll be great. I, I wonder when that will be. <laughs> me too. <laughs> <laughs> one day I am confident we'll have a vaccine or this thing will fade out, you know, in at least two years like the Spanish flu did. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Mm, okay, indeed. Lori, we'll talk again. Sounds good. Take care, Jeannie. That's it for this week, everybody. You can learn more about Lori at mindfulreturn.com. You can learn more about me at jeanfaulkner.com. You can email me, jean at jeanfaulkner.com. Find us on Instagram and Facebook at Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics. And I'm on Twitter at Jean Faulkner. Pregnancy, Parenting, and Politics is produced by Recluse Records. Thanks for listening, everybody. We'll talk again next week. 